Well, welcome to another edition of The Common Man. Look, the AFL is here and we are excited. We're on the edge of our seats. And the fact that Darwin has made world news by allowing a crowd to come and watch a local soccer game has given us all hope that we might get to see some live sport in person before the year is out. So let's hop straight into it. Who's in pole position today, horse? Our first player onto the court today is ready for action. Look, he's been causing a stir with his follicle transition through lockdown. His beard is lush and he now prefers the moniker Silver Fox, but I'm going to go against those wishes and welcome 40. Hey guys, how are you? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever it is, whatever time it is you're listening. So 40, look, it's another week, another nickname. Are you embracing the Silver Fox? Oh, well, I've always been the Silver Fox horse. What, since you were a baby? That's a bit weird. Particularly my basketball refereeing community have called me the Silver Fox. Uh, lots of uh, silver coming through the beard at the moment, yeah, though. It really seems more prominent than ever. What will we be calling you next time we're on? We're not quite sure, but today for sure, the Silver Fox is where we're at. So let's move on to player number two. I can see him coming out of the dugout. He's looking pretty good. His kit bag is on his shoulder as he confidently prances onto the court. He's fueled up on protein and ready to go the distance, but you can be guaranteed none of that fuel has come from his wife's plate. Welcome, Friendy. <laughs> How are you, horse? Well, we're very good now. Do you want to make reference to what that whole uh, <laughs> it was that no food from oh, his wife's look- plate? Mate, I've got to give credit where credit's due. Well played by you. Yes, uh, for those listening uh, in the car or at your home or whatever, my wife does not like to let me finish her meals because she thinks it's rude. I think it's outrageous. (laughs) That outrageous is clearly what it is. (laughs) Look, I think, am I right in saying as males, we're all in agreement here. If your wife has finished with what she wants to eat, and there's more left on the plate, then it's just, it's open slather and it should be a free-for-all. 100%. 100%. So, guys, I don't know. Maybe there needs to be be some intervention, but who knows? I feel like this is a 40s face palm uh, moment going to be coming up (laughs) soon. (laughs) We're getting it right off our chest from the start. Hey, look, we've got our lanyards around our necks. We're queuing up to get inside the stadium. So why don't we declare our water bottles, grab a couple of hot jam donuts and take our seats in preparation for the first bounce. Welcome back. And it is time for this month in sport. Now today's edition of this month in sport really has a heavy focus on the AFL. And it's leading us into uh, the resumption of the season we're all excited about. At the start of the year, no one really took the whole AFL prediction seriously. I get the vibe that we were so unsure about what might occur and how long the season might be going for that it just didn't seem efficient uh, and a a good use of time to be worrying about who was going to win what. And now we're actually at the stage where we're back, baby. And so it's time to put these things all out on the line and it's AFL prediction time. Stressful music, massive calls. AFL predictions, who will rise and who will fall? So I thought to start our AFL predictions, we just have a quick recap of round one. 
simply for the purpose of reminding us or what actually occurred back in March, three months ago. Um, 40, of course, that to you would seem like it just happened yesterday. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't know how to articulate that. You know what I'm saying? The Melbourne Stars just <laughs> lost last week, but oh. <laughs> let's go through uh, round one results. We started the season with Richmond defeating Carlton by 24 points, and that moved into a Friday night fizzer where Collingwood defeated the Bulldogs by 52 points. On the Saturday, we had Essendon get over the Dockers by a solitary goal. We had Adelaide go down to Sydney by three points, and that was in Adelaide, so that was a bit of a surprise. The Giants accounted for the Cats comfortably in the end by 32 points. Port Adelaide did a number on the Gold Coast Suns, 47 points. It doesn't sound that impressive, but they kept the Gold Coast Suns to only 29 points for the whole game. On the Sunday, we had North Melbourne overcome St Kilda by two points. We had the Hawks defeating Brisbane by 28 points. And then the last game for three months was the Eagles defeating Melbourne by 27 points over in Perth. Sorry, missed that one. Horse, can you just say that last one again? Uh, look, I, if you really don't remember it, Friendy, then what kind of supporter are you? Let's be honest, as supporters, we probably only remembered our own team's results and have uh, stewed on that for three months. I thought it would be good for us to go through a few categories today. We're going to start with the final eight and premiers. We'll move into the Brownlow medal prediction and we'll end off with the cheeky Coleman medal. So I've put you, 40, at the top of the list for category number one. Category one. Can you give me your final eight and who you think will be premier at the end of this ridiculous 2020 AFL season? Yes, thanks, Horse. Well, I, I reckon uh, it's going to be uh, a very fascinating end of the... Well, we only really had one round, haven't we? So when I say end, it's really starting. But my top eight, and I'm just going to go straight... I'm going to go from eight spot, I reckon. All right? So I've snuck in uh, eight spot. A couple of, couple of Vic teams, I reckon... I said last episode, I think there's going to be a clear advantage to Victorian teams. Um, but obviously, there's still going to be uh, some of the better interstate teams up there. But I think there's going to be a majority Victorian teams in the top eight this year. So I'll start at number eight. I think Essendon. Uh, I think Essendon are going to make the eight. I think they've got uh, the merits to, to be there. Hawthorne are always up and about. Even when they're rebuilding, very much like Geelong, they're still, you know, they're still competing. And so I think Hawthorne will be seventh. I think Brisbane this year, they finished second um, last year and had a really good season. But uh, I think they're going to drop down a little bit. My prediction is they'll finish sixth. I've got Geelong at fifth. I've got GWS fourth. Collingwood third. West Coast. No, friendly. I've got Richmond at second and West Coast first, just for you, mate. Little but, beauty. But uh, my prediction uh, for Premiers uh, is Richmond. I think they are the best team. Uh, I think they should have already, they should have won an extra Premiership than they already have. Uh, so Who, who won before. that Premiership that they should have won? Does anyone know? I can't remember, actually. I can go there if we need to, guys, but no, we're no, running no. out of time and we so should move we on. We don't need to give you enough ammunition. You've got enough <laughs> ammunition already. My memory's gone, so, but that's my top eight horse. Uh, I thought I don't want to go too much into depth because I know you've uh, both got your predictions as well. Excellent. So you've got Richmond at number one and a, a pretty well-rounded top eight there. Friendy, 
what are you going to do differently or what's the same as what Forty's just said? Yeah, well, look, Ford, I, uh, a lot of my top eight is very similar to yours, just in a, a little bit of a different order. Um, and I'll go from, from bottom to top as well. Um, look, I'm just so excited that AFL's back. I'm up and about. Um, can't wait to see first game back this Friday night, which I believe is the Geelong Cats. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but my top eight. So uh, you got... are wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> yep, first Thursday game up Thurs- Thursday night, Richmond Collingwood. Oh, I'm even more excited now. <laughs> Sorry to... I'm a terrible AFL person. Let's move, let's slide along. Um, so my top eight, I have Hawthorne coming in eighth. I think I agree with Ford. I think they just they're well coached. They just know how to get things done, and they'll scrape in. This one I'm very unsure about, but I've chucked Brisbane in at seven. They really uh, didn't show much in round one, but they were very good last year. So I've got them continuing to make uh, the top eight. Essendon coming in at six. Um, I'll give Woosha fans. So I'll give Woosha some love there. So Essendon at six. Geelong Cats at five. Again, they, they just know how to win and make the finals, but they're not doing much once they're in the finals. Um, you've got GWS coming in at fourth. Uh, Collingwood coming in at third. I've got West Coast 40 coming in second. And then Richmond finishing on top. And my premiers for this year, I think uh, they had a bad year last year, but West Coast will regain the championship or the premiership again in 2020. You didn't want to put West Coast at one, did you? You just you just wanted to be a little humble, but then say so they're still going to win the premiership. <laughs> yeah, look, no, Richmond played the regular season well, but we'll just come through and beat them in the finals. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> look, I've got my top eight. I'll hop into then as well. A few, uh, a few little differences there to you guys. I've actually got the Bulldogs in at number eight. I know they were pitiful in round one, but I think they've just got too much talent and I feel like they'll pull it together and scrape in at number eight. I've got Hawthorne in at number seven. And like we both sort of said, they just find a way to win. Port Adelaide, I've found, were quite impressive. And it's sort of the last roll of the dice for Kenny Hinckley. So I've got them in at number six. I've got Collingwood in at number five, uh, simply because I've got Geelong in at number four. And look, I'm a supporter, so I'm guessing here, hopefully the home ground advantage is real. And it's not just the fact that we have a, a crowd support, but it's actually the, the skinny ground is going to come into play and just enable us to get a top four position, even though we didn't look too great in round one. I didn't think we looked horrendous. We have West Coast in at number three. I'm just going to be interested to see how the, the first block goes and playing home games not at home uh, sorts, sorts themselves out or sorts itself out for them. Then I've got Richmond in at number two. Because I think uh, GWS are going to be premiers in 2020. I think they've had that heartache from last year. They're just, their bodies are one year older. They're really in the hit zone. A lot of players just about to reach their peak. So I would not be surprised at all to see GWS take home the chocolates. Yeah, look, I, uh, GWS is a real interesting one because... They got embarrassed last year, and it'll be interesting to see how they pick themselves back up. But they've certainly got the talent to to take it out, and they they probably should have had one by now. So it'd be you know, I think it's a I think it's a good call by you, but I don't know yeah. how much of an embarrassment last year will hurt them. I yeah. I actually think that's a very good call, horse, because I was thinking GWS for a year where there's going to be no crowd and a team that doesn't have the biggest. They're used base. to playing with no crowd. Exactly. So. That's taking the advantage from a lot of the other teams. So GWS have a real shot at uh, going all the way this year. I think so, yeah. 
I think your other good call horse was because Forty and I had you know the same names in the top eight, but I think your other good call is the Western Bulldogs. I almost put them in my top eight, but they just didn't show me enough in round one. Now I know there could be a lot of factors for that, but um, I think they're another one who actually they're actually my dark horse that if they do make the top eight, they could cause some damage because they do have a young, talented side. So it'd be interesting to see how they go. I just think sure. uh, last last episode we said you know there's no room for error in this season. You're going to have to go, you know, a bullet a gate straight away. And I just, Bulldogs, maybe it might take them a few weeks, but that could cost them towards the end of the season. Yeah, I'd still think um, any team that makes it into the final eight this year will be a chance. Do you know what I mean? There's not going to be the yeah. weeks by. There's no, there's no uh, rest before the finals. So That really evens everything out, doesn't it, this year? Yeah, and especially if there's no home ground advantage so to so to speak in terms of crowd support and the likes in the finals then anything could happen Mm. so anyway i just felt the need to throw the bulldogs out there because i think their list is a really good list you know they've got a they've won a premiership with that list basically so Mm. i feel like they should be able to back it up and make the eight again but yeah as we all agreed they were pretty pitiful against collingwood in round one okay friendy i'm going to pass it to you for our second category the Brownlow Medal category two. Yeah, Brownlow Medal. Fairest and best player for the year. And I, I, I had it down to two players. And I had it down to Patrick Cripps and Lockie Neal. And I couldn't decide. So I'm actually going to say it's going to be joint winners this year. Patrick Cripps and Lockie Neal are going to come a tie this year. That is an interesting call. I'm not necessarily going to agree with you. With the players, uh, I feel like this year, with only 17 games, it's going to really separate those teams that win and those teams that don't. And I don't necessarily think that Carlton will win enough games for Cripper to be getting the three votes. But certainly he will be getting a couple of votes quite often. It's going to be one of those years where basically we've missed six rounds of the Brownlow medal. And... I feel like if we went back from year to year and had a look at the Brownlow medal at around round 17, it would be highly bunched most years with a couple of players. So that call of potentially having a joint Brownlow happening this year is a really good call. Okay, I've got myself here in second position to put my ideas out there for the Brownlow medal. Look, in the words of uh, the No Dunks crew who like to point out when people pick people from their own team yes i'm going to be a bit of a homer here and say patrick dangerfield is in the box seat for the brownlow medal because purely based on his record at gmhba stadium he has a phenomenal record at gmhba stadium those of you super coach inclined would know about that and the rush has been on to get him in into your super coach sides as a super premium purely based on that record he could bring home seven or eight best on grounds in the year because they could play eight or nine at GMHBA stadium. And especially with Tim Kelly gone, there's more hours there to be had in the midfield. So yeah, that's, that's who I'm putting out there. The other person I thought of at the start of the year, I thought Bont was ready to step up uh, and have a go, but he didn't have a great round one and he's going to be tagged for two of the next three games as well. He, he's going to cop the DeBoer tag in a couple of weeks so that's like a quarter of the season almost gone. And in such a short season, to potentially have your first four games without getting a vote, it might be just too hard to crawl back from there. 
Now, Forty, who have you got on your list? Yes, well, my guy, I've just gone with one, but I like what you said, Friendy, about the jewel. I think that's a very valid point. And I love you. I would like to affirm uh, your decision too, Horse, as Thank a fellow Geelong supporter. I think yeah, of course you Tim Kelly, <laughs> Without Tim Kelly in the equation, that's certainly going to uh, increase Dangerfield's um, ability to, to get more votes. So, But I went with someone different. I thought this guy epitomizes the common man. And a friend he's already said him, Patrick Cripps. I think he's the, he, for me, he's a very good chance to win this year. Last year, he, he was able to gather an unbelievable amount of votes for a team that finished third bottom. True, true. And uh, I, th- I think Carlton is certainly going to um, build this year. They're not going to make top eight, but I, I think they've got the potential to finish around that 10th, 11th um, sort of position. And Patrick Cripps has got to be the guy that leads the way. And so I think he's going to get the umpire's attention and uh, certainly be up there about uh, at the end of the season. Excellent. So we've got a couple of Cripps, a Neil and a Homer in Dangerfield. Friendy, what do you think about Forty's call? No, I thought a uh, good call because I thought Patrick Cripps is in there for me as well. It's interesting none of us thought Nat Fife could go back to back. Um, and I will say this, Patrick Dangerfield's a good call, but I feel like he would have won two or three Brownlows by now if he could kick straight. And I think we didn't go Nat Fife purely because he's a Fremantle player. And I yeah, think, look, think you I'm, would ha- be I'm happy to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> look, he's the original hipster of the AFL and good on him for that. And he's a dual Brownlow medalist. And it is a, it's a funny point that we didn't really think of him in the equations because he's still at the peak of his powers. And I'm not going to say I'd be surprised to see him go for a third this year. But history would say there's not too many three-time Brownlow medal winners. Okay, we're on to our final category now. This one, I'm hoping, will throw up a few different suggestions. We're going to talk about the Coleman medal category three. So I'm going to lead off the conversation here. And the most obvious person for the Coleman medal this year has to be Jeremy Cameron, back to back. There's no buddy. Cameron, if they win enough games, he'll be slotting three or four a week in a 17-round season. If he can get 60, then he's going to win the Coleman medal. I will throw out a smoky there, though, and it's a real smoky. Uh, he kicked a little bag in the first round, and he is now has been touted as the permanent replacement up forward for Buddy Franklin. He's not someone that you would genuinely or normally think of, but I'm going to throw Isaac Heaney out in the mix as my Smokey. Again, he could be kicking three or four a week and that will be enough to win a Coleman medal. And it has been for the last few years, but I'm going to throw to you 40 Coleman medal. Who's it going to be? Oh, backing you up hundred percent. Jeremy Cameron. He's got no competition. Uh, the only competition maybe is Jack Rewalt. Tom Lynch last year showed that he took a lot of goals away uh, from Jack Rewalt from winning the previous year in 2018. But uh, the only other maybe potential person I think is going to be up there is Charlie Cameron from uh, Brisbane. Oh, yeah. Again, I think he's going to take, uh, he's going to kick a lot of their goals. Um, so, but Jeremy Cameron, he's the clear winner. He's only going to keep getting better. He's not even in his prime yet. So for me, he's the Coleman, he's John Coleman. Friendy, let's throw to you. Yeah, look, 
I think uh, Cameron is certainly someone that's going to be up there. You know, the bias in me wants to pick someone from West Coast just with the midfield that we have. Um, with, you know, Jack Darling's probably the one that comes to mind. However, I think, you know, it's his second season with this team, coming off a great season and, and is very familiar with the system now. I think Tom Lynch is the guy that's going to win the Coleman yep. this year from Richmond. And I think he actually has the potential to win this really comfortably because he's the sort of guy that could easily be getting four, five, six goals a game. And I think he could break free. But I think it's going to be, a, I'm going to say, a three-horse race between Lynch, Cameron and Darling. I just got to throw Darling in there. <laughs> Interesting call with Darling. He can be the Darling of West Coast, but he can also be the absolute villain of that team. He tends to go I'd up agree. and down. Is that I'd correct? Agree. Yeah. I'd agree. But, uh, you know, adding that lovely Geelong play that came across, I think he could be doing all right this year. Oh, Nathan Vardy. Yep. He's, <laughs> yeah, been, Vardy. Good. He's been good for a couple of years for you guys. I don't know uh, what influence he'll have on the call. He won, a, he won a premiership, so he must have done all right. He did. Uh, yeah. Uh, interesting to note, we didn't mention Ben Brown. He didn't get a mention in the list, but he has been a perennial goal kicker for the last mm-hmm. number of years. Now, of course, the other thing, guys, that we need to remember, shortened quarters means we're going to have lower scores, which also means we're going to have a lower number of goals kicked. Not just the fact that we're playing 17 games instead of 23, but then when you take away 20% of game time as well, there'll, there'll be no junk time goals. It will just be go, go, go right from the start. Yeah. So that could really have an effect on how many Absolutely. goals wins the Coleman this year. It's but, very going to be very close in all, in all fields, in all categories. It's going to be close, I think. Oh, totally agree. I think I really needed to preface the start of this conversation by throwing out there that this is the season, out of all the seasons that I remember, this is the one where I can't confidently predict anything because who knows what form, what shape everyone's going to be in when the season returns. And we just don't know how important week to week is going to be on that final frontier. Do you think that this year in all categories, even premiership, and I know we've mentioned this previously, but there will be an asterisk marks, asterisk mark on Brownlow, Coleman, premiership. What do you think? Well, I think the only thing we can guarantee this year is that Eddie Betts will win goal of the year. Apart from that, it's anyone's game. <laughs> I, I agree with the asterisk call. There certainly will be an asterisk. And, but I don't think it's going to be like playing down the value of what people do this year. It's Actually, I think it will do the opposite. I think it's going to be the hardest year for these guys to get up mm-hmm. and compete at that elite level when there's so many factors going against them. Even just their living conditions completely changed, you know, like so many factors that it should be a, a, a stamp, a badge of honor if they can have yeah. success in this year. I agree. I don't think it takes away from the winners, but it certainly is a very different competition in terms of evening out everything. And they are well-deserved. Every category, every winner this year will be well-deserved. They'll yeah. earn, their, um, totally. earn their right to... Yeah, of course, until our... Our teams don't do any good. And then we just go, it was the COVID oh, year, yeah. whatever. Means nothing. If John, <laughs> if John doesn't make the top eight, I'll just say, well, that was... Because what do you of, expect? You know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, let's have a change of tact here and move to another sport. We're going to start to talk about the NBA. As we all know by now, the format has been announced and we know how the NBA is going to look for the rest of the regular season when it resumes. We're going to have eight regular season games before the playoffs. 
Now, if the ninth place team in either conference is within four and a half games of eight at the end of regular season, then they get the chance to play in to the playoffs. Ninth must beat eighth twice, but eighth only needs one win over the ninth placed team to secure their playoff spot. Friendy, are you excited by the prospect of a play-in for eighth spot? Look, I think it'd be. I think it's a cool idea because, um, like, let's be honest, the eighth spot. The, now that Kevin Durant has come out and said that he's not actually going to play the rest of this season, then that was the only thing I was worried about. If someone fell into eighth spot, now that that's not happening, eighth spot is almost irrelevant because the top seeds of both conferences are really, really good. Um, so I think it's fun. I think it's going to um, keep a little bit of the hype going. Um, so I'm all for it, particularly in this uh, different looking into the season. For sure. I think it's also going to give the guys uh, something to play for. Those extra teams that they've got in the 22, a bit of purpose. Otherwise, they're just making up the numbers, which, you know, where is their incentive to do well? Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. Now, for I actually, rec- I actually reckon it gives uh, hope for the Spurs to keep their finals um, <laughs> exactly. streak alive. <laughs> at, least, at least for another couple of months. Come on. Pop, Pop's streak is still alive. That's right. <laughs> it kind of extends the playoffs in some way, doesn't it? Almost oh, brings it to for nine, sure. top nine. For sure. It also gives Zion a chance to, uh, to catch Ja Morant for the rookie of the year because they're both going to have eight games to prove themselves. I think that's going to be exciting. That's just a side story that I'm looking forward to yeah. seeing in those eight oh, games. I think that's done, but it might uh, allow the Pelicans a chance to scrape into the eight for JJ Redick. Exactly, as we mentioned <laughs> last time. Uh, JJ really put the hard word on Zion. Now, 40. He did. 40, how will teams be yes. best served in using the last eight games of the season if they already know that they're assured of a playoff spot and they have a general idea of where they will end up? What will they do for those eight games? What would be your game plan? Well, I think it depends uh, what conference you're in, uh, what uh, position. I particularly look at the West Conference and it's so close from from second spot really to all the way down to six spots. So there's going to be a lot of jostling. So I think a lot of those teams are going to be going out pretty much all out from, from go. Uh, eight games is not a lot. It's not a big sample size. And so they'll be wanting to win as many of those games to give them the best opportunity at the, uh, at the tilt for the championship. I think in the East, I think a lot of the positions in the East are probably a little bit more firmed up. So it might be a different tact with them. It's more about team chemistry. There's been a big gap. Uh, they'll be wanting to try and make sure that they're um, playing like uh, they were before this uh, whole season um, went into a break. And so I think it'll be more about chemistry for the East compared to the West. So the, the main crux of the question is, do we have any players any superstars of the game having a rest during those eight games or have they missed so much of the season now that they need those eight games and everyone will be playing every game? Yeah, I don't think you can rest now. I I think the only time you might rest is potentially last game of the regular season. A guy like LeBron James or Giannis might rest. Um, Just on those two, I think the the race to the MVP is closer than the race of rookie of the year. Yes, yeah. and, and I don't think they need a rest. They've had a big enough rest. There's no, Correct. no more resting required. <laughs> Forty says, no resty, boys. No, no rest. rest. I don't reckon, I don't no reckon rest. they're going to 
They're not going to want to rest. I mean, no, I think nah. be, inspired, be inspired by AC Green, who's the record holder for most consecutive games. Like, let's play. Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, maybe maybe Kawhi. Maybe Kawhi might want to try and sneak in one little load management. Oh, he'll have a quad yeah, yeah. this or a calf one, this. One or final load management. One final. <laughs> he just got too distracted on the teacups. Yeah. And he was having too yeah. much of a fun time on the teacup ride yeah. that he forgot That's to it. make it. But uh, actually, that sounds like yeah. something Dennis Rodman would have been likely to do back in the day. Just had too much oh, fun yeah. in the amusement park. Yeah, I just want to finish with something. I think because of such a long break, there's going to be plenty of Shackton of Fools to start off the season. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute yes, prime season. Yes, for sure. And I think they'll probably be uh, more amplified when you can really hear the players' reactions because there's going to be no crowd. <laughs> Like, we're going to hear what they're saying to each other out on the court. <laughs> and there's also going to be a lot of scope for, uh, in the post-edit, putting sound effects and, and music and the likes on to make, it, make them look even more ridiculous. Could yeah. you imagine a, a J.R. Smith making that error in the, in the finals with no crowd and hearing what LeBron would say? <laughs> oh, I know. Man. I was thinking the same thing. But, uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Would, look, I, I feel like the senses... The, the guys who will be sitting there with the beep button will have never been worked so hard before. <laughs> They'll have those NBA 2K sounds up a little bit higher. <laughs> well, we're all excited. We've put our predictions in for the AFL. We're waiting for the NBA to start up again in a short number of weeks. That has been This Month in Sport. Chuck another shrimp on the barbie, mate. It's time for the grill. Oh, yeah. Snags sizzling away. A few chops, a few burgers there today as well. We are just chilling, waiting for our dinner to be ready. And we're going to throw some questions without notice at each other. Now, for the sake of full disclosure, after recording this, we decided that maybe we'll just go with one question. And today's lucky question comes from Nathan Friend. All right, boys, here's what i got for you guys. Obviously, we're about to start AFL, and we're all very excited about this. And we understand that there is no crowds. No crowds allowed. They're playing in front of an empty stadium. There might be a couple of security guards for no reason or some coppers around. But, you know, what I want to ask you, boys, if you were only allowed to take... They said to you, you can take one person with you into the ground. They can sit in the stand and watch you. Who is it? Now, this could be your wife. It could be one of your kids. It could be your best mate. It could be a cousin, auntie, grandparent. Who is that one person you would take into the ground? And I refuse to answer this one myself so I don't get in trouble, which is why I've handballed it to you boys. I, I'm thinking if you, one person, one person is one the only, person. so there's only two people watching the game. One no, well, every player. player. Every player in the team can bring one person. So you, can, you get to bring one person with you. I'm thinking I would bring someone that has the loudest voice. He's the greatest sledger so that they can, if we're talking, there's not many people in the stadium. I want this person to really, I want the best value for this person yeah, nice. that I'm bringing. Now, like unfortunately, like this is not going kind to of Chris be, Rock? Well, my wife, Eddie Chris Murphy. Rock, possibly, yeah. Um, but, MJ? Uh, I'm trying to, yeah, well, MJ, there you go. Sledger, <laughs> bang. There's my man. <laughs> Done. Okay, so now it's left with me. <laughs> uh, Thanks, horse. You actually gave me that one. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, now, look, I have to say, I, uh, I've been playing basketball rather poorly now for uh, 
for 25 years. Um, obviously, I haven't known my wife for 25 years, but she's actually never um, watched me play a game uh, just because I don't want her to see how bad I am. <laughs> I want there to be a, a little bit of mystery there still. As far as she knows, you could be the greatest player going around. Exactly. And I've chosen not to go professional because I just <laughs> want to keep grounded. And, uh, have a good you. So I think, you want to keep it a mystery. And for that reason, I'll be like, well, I've got two sons. Do I bring one of them? I, I wouldn't bring my almost two-year-old because they ain't going to be great value. He's going to probably go rogue and fall or cl- try and climb the fence and run onto the field or the court or whatever we're playing. Um, and my four-year-old, it would probably be enough to scar him and watch me getting mauled by another bunch of men. So maybe I would just throw it out there to the highest bidder, put it on Facebook, spare ticket. Who wants to come? Horse, <laughs> what about, I reckon you should, you know, we're going to do a bit of a shout out here. I reckon you should take uh, the big fella, Frizy, big voice, and can can sledge, and uh, I think he'd be quite yes. the duo. You two, both back and forth, you'd be. Uh, That's I'd be, true. I'd love to see that. Yes, look, for those of you unaware, a good friend of mine, Ryan, we uh, we played basketball for quite a few years, and we both don't <laughs> mind engaging in talk on the court. Uh, yeah, and he uh, he does have a very powerful voice. So, <laughs> and let's just say I've I've been to the footy with him. I would not want to be sitting in front. I'd I'd have to probably <laughs> I'd be deaf by the end of the game. He's that loud. I love it. He's passionate. <laughs> He's very He's passionate. Good. It's good. Ford, I'm disappointed that I'm disappointed that you didn't say old Rexy Ford, your old man, because he would he'd give a good spray. I would have thought. Oh, he's a little bit quiet. The old Chewy on the boot. He loves the old Chewy on the boot when they're uh, lining up for goal. <laughs> Sometimes it works. Most I, I time it I'm, doesn't. I think I'm like you, horse. Said I, I don't think I would. Uh, I would take Jen because she's not the biggest sports fan. But uh, I didn't think I was going to be allowed to say that. But I have just said that. But um, I, I would probably take my grandpa. My grandpa gives some of the best sledges on t- like in, to the TV screen that you've ever heard. People need yep. to hear that. People need to hear it. You need to be recording it. There's a challenge right. for you. <laughs> okay. Get, on, get him on a Zoom meet and record him. Well, another cracking round of questions as we hung out at the grill. Who knows where we'll head next time we meet at the meat locker. <laughs> but now a short word from our sponsors. you're like me, and I'm sure you are, you love nothing more than hitting the pavement with a podcast shooting through your ears and a watermelon in your hand as you eagerly work towards your daily 10,000 steps. We all love munching on some moist melon, but what do you do with that rind? You don't want to spend the last 30 minutes of your daily cardio with sticky fingers and the remnants of a once great fruit. That's why I've invented the watermelon pouch. The watermelon pouch attaches easily to any piece of apparel you like to flaunt on your daily jaunt. It can store your melon over or under clothing. The choice is yours. I myself prefer to store it discreetly in my underpants. Hey, is that a watermelon in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? Oh, yeah, it's a watermelon. 
To try your first pouch, visit www.watermelonpouch.com. Please be aware that watermelonpouch.com will not be held responsible for any injuries occurring during the use of Watermelon Pouch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for combat cross-code, cross-code combat. Okay, before we start this next segment, Forty has a statement prepared that he would like to read. Thanks, Forty. I would just like to come before you all and make a public apology for my actions in episode two of the Common Med podcast. There was not just one crucial error that on my watch as judge I allowed to happen, but two crucial errors that I omit in our last cross-code combat between Friendy, a.k.a. Steve Smith and Horse, a.k.a. Greg Norman, I got wrong. This error on my behalf, as minor as I thought at the time, was allowing Horse to go 45 seconds over the allotted time for the argument. I was so mesmerized by Horse's pitch that I completely lost track of time. And for this, I apologize firstly to you, Friendy, and secondly, to our loyal listeners, I have let you down. I also acknowledge I allowed my emotions to get the better of me. After losing to Friendy the previous week, and yes, I admit I was a little bitter, I was not impartial in my decision-making and not only allowed Horse to go over time, but to tolerate the completely uncalled and blow the belt remark in referencing the cheating scandal as one of his key points of his pitch. With this remark, not only should have I stopped the game right there and then and awarded the win to Friendy for allowing Horse to bring the game into disrepute, but given Horse the send-off for actions that I think we can all agree on are un-Australian. I hope you would all accept my sincerest apology and that this proves that I still very much am a common man. I'd appreciate you all respect mine and my family's privacy during this obviously distressing and embarrassing moment in my life. Thank you. Wow. Thanks, Forty. Uh, Although I'm not sure if I should be thanking you, uh, I feel like I got a a bit of a pot there. Um, (laughs) But I I do understand where you were coming from and you did forget to say that you let me down by letting me stretch the rules and, and, you know, speak out of the well, boundaries, but that's okay. Whatever. So what I do you felt th- like? I felt like you got a real good, good serve of that one. You know, like <laughs> you got the best uh, fruits of that uh, reward, that win. So yeah, that, well, that's true. I do believe 40 that you are proposing that my win be removed from the records. Is this right? And you want to have a rematch. Yes. As judge, I think that is correct. And uh, I believe this calls for a rematch horse. Okay, well, before we get into that, why don't we recap the rules of CrossCode Combat? In CrossCode Combat, each speaker is given a sporting star with a challenge to argue why their athlete would be better in their opposing star sport than the opposing star would be in their given sport. It's clear as mud, really. Okay, Forty, I'll leave it up to you now to tell us who we are playing with and for. Yes, uh, I think I think it's been great that we've been able to continue uh, the Australian theme, having two Australian athletes. Now I say that, and I've been judged for two out of the three, so uh, <laughs> I'm, I suppose I'm giving kudos to myself in uh, continuing this theme. So a little shout out there to Forty, thanks Forty, thanks to uh, Mr. Echo Silver Fox, whatever your nickname is today. But um, well, I've decided to yeah, decided to go, uh, Friendy. You're going to be Chris Judd. Great AFL footballer, and I thought you might like that one as a West Coast supporter, but yep, even yep. though he's Victorian. And uh, Horse, you're going to go the great man, 
Leighton Hewitt, come on. Come on. So, uh, what we are going to do, I've got the stopwatch out this time. There's no more going over <laughs> one minute this time. I'm calling you. I'm doing the gong. So uh, You don't need to worry about me, Ford. Reigning champion, who do you would prefer to go first? Um, look, look, I'm, the, oh, I'm the reigning. Oh, no. Sorry, yeah. Oh, was scrap from wow. the record. Oh, oh, so, uh, wow. oh, okay. Oh. No, no, you go for it, Friendy. You no, decide. Look, I'm, a, I'm actually, I'm actually going to let Horse go first again because, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not even going to go if it goes over a minute, you know. So I'll, I'll let him have his chance again um, and then I'll uh, have my rebuttals ready. Okay, 40. Well, just rein me in. Okay. You tell me when to go. I will. Let's go on your marks. Get set, go. Okay, well, let's start with some logic here. Leighton Hewitt was the number one tennis player in a sport of an estimated 1.2 billion players compared with Australian rules, which has about 106,000 players across Australia. Mathematically, he is in the box seat here because basically it's a lot harder to be better at a sport the more people you actually have playing that sport. Now, Leighton grew up playing AFL and he contemplated a switch to the AFL. Mark Williams, coach of Port Adelaide at the time, even revealed he was prepared to offer him a rookie contract at Port. His father and uncle are both well-known SA footy identities. He has the pedigree. He is tough. He has an everyday say-die attitude. His impeccable hand-eye coordination would be great. In and under, he would be a great mid. He would be a great crumbing small forward. And of course, Andrew McLeod is his mentor. Finally, let's just say Chris Judd's shoulders. Even at his peak in the AFL, the guy would pop his shoulder the first time he went to serve a tennis ball. He did reach for his doona one time in bed and popped his shoulder. He cannot play tennis. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Great work, horse. <laughs> I reckon you got a minute 45 out of that, <laughs> the way you were speaking. <laughs> I just had to speak a little quicker. That was all. Oh, <laughs> that I know. Well no need to put that on 1.5 this time when you're listening, guys, because it's already done for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, friend, are you ready to go, mate? We're looking forward to the rebuttal. On your marks, go. Yeah, look, I think this is an easy one. Horse, thanks for your, for your time with that. I mean, you tried the whole number one thing in the world sort of thing, but look, we're talking about the greatest sport in Australia, in the world, we are the best of the best, and he has been the best for two seasons against anyone he's played against. The guy has 2,829 handballs in his career, so it's fair to say he's good with his hands, and that means with a racket in his hand, he'd be just good. He is explosive with his running. In fact, he breaks a pack better than anyone. Some would say, arguably, he's the greatest at breaking a pack in, in the history, which means getting around the court is easy, and there's nothing that will stop you from that. Now, he is strong. He's built like a beast. He's been carrying cars for the last eight years of his career. His boldness would be great for his aerodynamics. And I'm telling you right now, he would be a better tennis player than Leighton as a footy player. Oh, well done, Freddy. Drops <laughs> oh, yes. the bomb at the end. Boom. And gets it under 50 <laughs> seconds. That is, that is an incredible effort. Or some Someone's... might say a waste. Yeah, I know. You, you had 10 more seconds solid... there, Fred. Now, waste... once you get to your point, that's all you need. Yes, well, I thought you both had uh, great pitches. Um, I think this one is actually really close and tough to call. We might even have to go to the uh, the third umpire on this one. But uh, look, we can't go past Chris Judd. He has been oh. carrying for the last eight years. And uh, I'm going to give it to the rating <laughs> champ, Nathan Friends. Oh. Congratulations. Oh. I, will, I will still say, uh, mate, his groins. I didn't even mention his <laughs> groins. How's he getting across the court and sliding to reach that deep volley? Oh, anyway, I've got to take it, it on the chin. Eight years, it took eight years for him to, to finally do an injury to end his career because he'd been carrying that team for so long, mate. He had no help around him. How was is, how is he as an overhead mark? 
no. next segment is it is it yeah yeah i think, I think that because answers I, I, your question horse yeah because i think you do that in a bit more in tennis uh then uh i'm pretty sure the underarm do. serve the underarm serve is certainly back just after <laughs> curios can can you imagine leighton in playing afl like he would just be a little pest i reckon Oh, he would He'd be, be like Hayden, Hayden Ballantyne, I reckon. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I actually did read that article where Mark Williams said, he called me uh, and said, I'm thinking of crossing over from tennis to football. And it was before he'd reached number one in the world. And he would have ultimately given up that year uh, a $55,000 oh, yeah. rookie contract at Port, as opposed to like the $1.2 that he went on to earn that year. Do you reckon we could get Leighton Hewitt and Andrew McLeod on this uh, podcast and sort of uh, maybe do some counselling with them to see if they can, um, you know, reconcile their friendship from many years ago? <laughs> well, of course, I was talking about that friendship when they were at the peak of their powers. He was his best mate. <laughs> That's true. So, <laughs> yes, maybe he would not be mentoring him so much anymore. <laughs> well, there we have it. Okay, look, I'm going to have to humbly take that one on the chin. It does mean there's another rematch uh, with Friendy and 40 and 40. I don't get to play you. I, it'll be at least right. another month before I get to play you. But that's okay. You well, made that decision yourself. Maybe you were too I scared. I did make that decision. <laughs> oh, no. Look, I, I actually think uh, I'm, hap- I'm happy to have a rest for the next one and let you guys go oh, at it. Look, because I feel like you guys have some unfinished business. I'm going to start calling you Kwame or River. Load management, <laughs> cross-code combat. Here we go. Well, look, it was good to have cross-code combat back. Even if I was the loser. Oh, I appreciated the chance to, uh, to argue with the best. And well done, Friendy. Hats off to you. You put your case forward and you've come away with the chocolates. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, you sound a bit salty, but that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll have another chance another time. <laughs> that we will. Well, who would have thought it, guys? We have made it to the end of another episode. Another episode down, and we'd like to thank y'all for your support. I just wanted to point out y'all there. I was watching Hannah Gadsby's latest comedy special on Netflix uh, called Douglas and she said that y'all is the most inclusive pronoun in the world you all you know we're not judging so thank you all for your support and listening to us for another week we'd love if you subscribe and rate us Brandy you'll be putting out some polls in the future so it'll be incredible to see more than one person voting in those our email is podcast for the common man at gmail.com. Our Instagram is at the common man dot podcast. What's that boys? Don't Dottie. forget Dotty. Dotty. At the yeah. common man dot podcast. Well, look, we are just inundated with Instagram and emails all the time. Oh, it's just incredible. Can't keep up. Incredible. The, the AFL <laughs> is back. Enjoy the return. Lap up every minute. I'm very thankful there will be no roaming Brian in this current climate. But Friendy, oh, thank goodness. Let's cross to you for the last word, Friendy. Yeah, look, I think we can all agree, guys. AFL is back. There's a buzz going around. Doesn't matter if you're a West Coast supporter or a Geelong Cats supporter. AFL is the greatest sport in the world, and that's coming from a basketballer himself. So I'm excited to see any game this week. And uh, crowd or no crowd, it's going to be great to see it back. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll catch you next time. I'm feeling a little uncomfortable too. My legs are spread out. I'm going to walk like I've just got off a horse after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like literally this, I've got a stool where my, where this mic is at and I've literally got a leg on either side. Like I'm straddling it.